0: Like how many how many middle aged millennials in America do you think have gone through this and are just <laughs> silently suffered through <laughs> the trauma? Not telling anybody. Never speak of it again.
1: from the smoke i'm glad you survived anything else exciting going on in the personal life i wish i had any i almost feel like the time between the last pod we did and now didn't even exist i'm not even sure i don't have any memory of it last thing i remember was ending a
0: podcast with you actually i i know that exact feeling not the same for me right now at least but (laughs) we've all been there Why don't I give you a prompt then, a forward-looking prompt for later this month in like a week and a half, if you know where I'm headed. Barbie Oppenheimer Doubleheader. Are you and Jess doing it?
1: We want to. I would say two things, two negative things I would say. Oh no, here we go. About our recent movie-going experience. First negative thing, it doesn't exist. Second negative thing that builds on that is that we planned on it existing. We've had two date nights now in which we planned one of which I was texting you literally moments before this happened. We had planned on going to the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And yeah we just we had to cancel. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm not gonna get into the reasons. Eventually we're gonna go and we're going to catch that movie. However, I have done some sneaky things in the background and bought a couple movies before <laughs> They came out on rental and watched them alone in the dark of <laughs> night from the summer movie list. but I'm like I don't know whatever a month and a half behind everything in theaters right now but Jess has already said to me she wants to see Oppenheimer in IMAX and of so course. yeah you know I'm I'm holding out a lot of hope here. I also think the fact that she even though I've explained to her the incredibleness of Spider-man, and that it's not what it looks like, like a kid's cartoon that I'm trying to convince her to go to see. I still think it's like a hard sell versus something that's like clearly going to be an awesome movie.
0: Okay. Wow. That's a big update. I Yeah, I remember you were texting me. Literally, you were like, yeah, I'm seeing Spider-Man in like an hour. And I was like, yeah. pumped, pumped for you. And then I'd never heard anything. I was like, maybe you just didn't yeah. like it.
1: No. No, it was literally... I literally texted – I think it was like 5.50, and there was a 7.10 show time at Atlantic Station. I was like ready to roll, and then like 20 minutes later after I texted you, it was like, yeah, someone booked a meeting. I have caught a couple things, though. Not much, but I'm happy to go through that list. Back to your question, Oppenheimer, Barbie. I think I can't do a doubleheader, but I'm definitely going to go Oppenheimer, and then I'm going to wait to see how much you like Barbie, and then I'm going to go (laughs) –
0: Okay, so I first of all, Oppenheimer obviously got to see it in IMAX. I So I am going to see it double header same day. Wow, wow. I like randomly saw this Instagram post for this hypothetical, like, supposed to be funny movie schedule for Barbie and Oppenheimer. But I was like, it's not really funny. This is actually the way it should be seen, which is <laughs> you start off with Oppenheimer in the morning, like 10, 11 a.m., early, right? Three hours. <laughs> for it was like, okay, for breakfast, black coffee and a cigarette. Roll into Oppenheimer. Yep. Spend your three hours there. Okay. Get that out of your system. Mind blown. Probably have another sig after that. Yep. Head to brunch. All right. Get some food, some fuel, regroup, mimosas, get a little tipsy. And then by that point you're like late afternoon. And then Barbie's starting. So go see Barbie around like five PM, maybe six PM. Uh, go see that. That's like two hours. And then uh, it's dinner time, right? So Barbie's like the palate cleanser. Go to dinner. Cleanse your palate again. And then debrief. And then uh, drinks. And then hit the bars.
1: That's, Ooh, a
0: full day. That's a full day right there.
1: I like it. And then <laughs> midnight showing of The Little Mermaid.
0: <laughs> yeah, midnight showing of Spider-Man in RPX.
1: That's actually... My joke was a bad one. That is actually a good ending. That that makes sense. I might. I wonder if I can like somehow organize a way for myself alone to do that.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can. You definitely can. Because
1: <laughs> other than you, I don't think I could convince anyone else to do that. Day yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a really tough sell. But you could also take some mushrooms during dinner, and then by the time you sit down for Spider Man, that'll be your nightcap.
1: That's nice. That's a nice nightcap, and then. You know you're coming down off the mushrooms by the time it ends. Perfect timing. Head home. Nice night of sleep. And you're on to the next day. Well, someone offered me mushrooms, by the way, at a party, like two weekends ago. Like totally seriously. And I'm like,
0: like a, a fellow parent or like yeah, a-,
1: a fellow parent. And I'm like, well, hello. I mean, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, because I'm like, it's like first off, it's like 5 p.m. on a Sunday. But but I was like, wow. This must mean I'm like working my way into the cool kids of Atlanta, the cool parents. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know that the parents around me were doing mushrooms on Sundays at 5 p.m.
0: Dude, that, I, I never would have guessed that for Atlanta, especially like in your hood. But important distinction: were they like stems, or are you talking about like chocolates?
1: They were stems. I mean, they were. It was wow. a bag of dried mushrooms, not chocolates.
0: Okay, that is, that's old school, like, that is some parent shit right there.
1: Yeah, so I won't name any names, but they're a couple of uh, good friends of ours who we've met, like, a few months ago, and I'm like, all right, we can do this. I was, actually, a quick update on that that I was considering giving is, I'm actually, I'm considering getting back into marijuana edibles, and I know it's, you might laugh that I ever got away from it, but it's been a wild last, you know, couple years, and You know, I don't just have a weed bar down the street like I did in San Francisco. Yeah. And I haven't just wanted to. Uh, But let's just say that the martini experiment did not work out. And I'm looking for another experiment. You know, the martini experiment was a good one. If our listeners remember, we decided that martinis were actually the healthy solution to drinking during the week because they're so pure. If anything, they're good for you. Turns out... You can have too much of a good thing. It's really easy to drink a lot of martinis on a Tuesday. So I'm going to have to cut that out, and I'm looking for an alternative.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I have a lot of lot of comments on both of those topics. But just quickly on the martini thing, uh, yeah, my, my martini hobby went as soon as it came. I mean, <laughs> it was gone because, like, I, I don't know I'm if gone. I told you this, but... This was like maybe a week after I had bought all the martini supplies and like I was early in that journey. This was a Sunday afternoon. I had nothing to do. Had to work on Monday. But like I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to perfect like the ratio so that like Mm. when I have to Mm -hmm. make it under pressure, I got it. And yeah, I I didn't realize how strong they were. And I also didn't realize that I was pouring double shots for each drink. And yeah, basically (laughs) I blacked out. And I just remember at like 9 p.m. I'm just puking all over my Boy. kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't tell me. <laughs> wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. But the most important, co- <laughs> most important question is, what's your favorite ratio? Did you find out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I you probably uh, did, but you can't remember. It's lost. Yeah, I
0: can't remember. It's lost in the ether. And I haven't made a martini since then.
1: Oh man, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I've had, uh, I have also spent time trying to perfect the ratio, but I think I was lucky enough. <laughs> I can't, I did. I'm not, I can't actually tell my story because it involves. <laughs> Well, let's just say I have an equivalent story that involves people that are not just me in a way that makes it bad. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I did keep on even beyond. I fought past that for like another few weeks and I haven't had one since either. <laughs> so,
0: that's yeah. True. It's like you wake up after a night like that and you're just like, whoa, I can't do that again. <laughs> There's something out of a
1: martini that makes it so that you can't feel your face when you're drunk on them and that is just a really bad sign and well anyway i'm glad to know it's not just i would have been embarrassed to tell you that uh that i'm so quickly off the martini train so i'm glad you had the same experience because <laughs> let's just say this that the martini experience is concluded and it it was a failure <laughs>
0: Like how many how many middle aged millennials in America do you think have gone through this and are just <laughs> silently suffered through <laughs> the trauma? They're not telling anybody. Never speak of it again.
1: It's like their martini night when they were experimenting, blacked out, did something horrible. <laughs> Probably on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's great.
0: Yeah, anyway, so back to your uh edible thing. This is the original point, right? I just want to say that you, I don't, I don't really do edibles that much, but like you are the, you were the former king of edibles. I remember when we were living together in SF, it was not uncommon for you to just like (laughs) take like a 10 milligram edible at like midnight on a weekday. I'd be like, what are you doing? (laughs) So yeah,
1: first off, that's true. I'm not going to say that's not true. That said, I have cut bad dramatic. Like, I can't do a 10 anymore. That makes me unhappy. I, I do like a 2.5. Well,
0: so my comment was mostly, okay, so th- that's good to know. But also, like, <laughs> just how late. It
1: doesn't in, change the
0: path. Yeah, how, how late in the night you would take it. Because, like, that's true. You take it at midnight. It might hit at, like, 1 a.m. And then you're either just not going to bed for the next few hours. Or uh, you're going to wake up still really high. <laughs> right
1: that's true well I have a I've had that's just been my modus operandi for a long time as I'm a'm I'm a night owl and so I yeah I'm not proud of well I, I don't really care but I will say that the negative side of being a night owl is that it when it comes to substance usage like you know having one more beer or having an edible uh, it's really tempting when you're like oh I'm gonna be awake for another three hours because I'm gonna go to bed at 3.30 every night. Which I don't do anymore, but I, I I did at that time. You can really easily justify because everyone else is in bed or yeah. like up at an unusual hour when it's like your normal day to be up at that time. It's easy to justify that like extra beer. Uh, unlike like an early bird where if you're drinking a beer at like 5 a.m., everyone's going to think you're an absolute alcoholic, even though, you know, a beer is a beer.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair because like if you are up till 2 3 a.m. and you're doing that dead sober that's almost a weird move to be completely sober at 3 a.m. like dude like either you're a serial killer or like something's wrong but you should not be dead sober then
1: (laughs) enough of the, the side chatter should we dive into either our lists what uh we what's your um what's your list
0: i have i got four pretty short ones past lives i think i told you about this i'll just say like one sentence on burning i saw that on the big screen and then two at home watches paris texas and his house
1: well okay i haven't heard of really any of those i mean i've heard of his house but you actually wait you actually watched that
0: yeah
1: oh no way i thought you didn't watch horror movies
0: yeah, that, uh, that's, that's a topic we need to get into. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right.
1: My list, I haven't seen much, but I caught uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, and I watched the first half of the next season of The Witcher on Netflix, um, which, as you know from before, I think you weren't a big fan, but I liked the first couple seasons of that, and I think that's it.
0: Well, let's dive into it. Do you want to start? By the way, you, you definitely heard of more than his house. Okay, the first one is Past Lives. This movie came out pretty recently, actually. I think like two months ago. It hit select theaters. Directed by Celine Song. She's actually a first-time director. This is her feature debut. So
1: I don't know this one. I feel like I should know. I don't know this.
0: I thought either me or Senate friend of the pod sent you the trailer at some point honestly epic trailer but here's the mdb nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends are wrested apart after nora's family emigrates from south korea 20 years later they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny this is one of those movies where nothing really happens and you kind of follow a small set of characters through their journey in life. I saw this movie twice in two, in one, in, yeah, twice in one week, in like a week and a half. In really? Yeah. So
1: why did you, but you said you didn't really like it?
0: Yeah. So the first time we went to this theater and we walked in late, like five minutes late, saw the movie and... Thought it was okay it's like it's a very slow burn i had expected a different type of story than the one that was told and then i later found out that yeah the the, the first part of the movie is actually really really important and like it probably the most important to set up the entire arc for the movie so then we, we went and like watch it again the following week got there early saw the intro sequence. Turns out we missed, like, the first, like, 15 minutes, actually. So it was a completely different movie the second time. And this is definitely one of those A24 quiet, meditative movies where you really, really have to peel the onion. Like, nothing is just left on the surface for you. But I really liked it the second time. I would highly recommend seeing it. There were a bunch of movie critics that I really respect that... We're all saying this is the movie of the year, hands down. Like I don't, I wouldn't go that far, right? Like I've definitely seen better A24 movies, but this was a really great story about about having to choose your path, in, your path in life, and part of that being, you know, maybe having to make hard choices about letting go of your past. Mm. So, yeah, this is a strong recommend, and if you haven't seen the trailer yet. It doesn't exactly mimic like what the story is in the movie, but it's a, an amazing trailer.
1: Okay. Well, you, I feel like you did a 180 starting off on that being something you were not interested in to saying nice things about it. So I'll have to check it out, it sounds like, just maybe not on the big screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't need to be seen in theaters. And then I think Roger Ebert gave it like a full four stars, and I was like, I what? feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. So that's why I pushed for the rewatch.
1: Well, I'll check it out. Let's see maybe I'll sandwich mine between yours because they're not that interesting. Well, actually, I should say that I I did try to watch Burning, actually. So that's good. And I got like 30 minutes into it before something happened. I'm excited to finish it. Uh, But I might just rewatch the first 30, which I actually have done twice now. So I've actually watched the first 15 minutes twice. Which I only bring that up because I want you to know that I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm failing, but I'm trying. Yeah, uh,
0: as long as you're trying.
1: Most of the time when I end up trying to watch something, it ends up being, again, either a dad movie time where I'm to have to do something else or I end up turning on like Elmo and Sesame Street because someone runs in and tells me I need to watch something different. Well, uh, say the um, Guardians of the Galaxy – Volume three this the first one has a really special place in my heart and I also think it's not like the other Marvel movies it's kind of its own thing and uh, the reason it has a special place in my heart is I think I think I watched it with Jess or something and I really liked the I really enjoyed the soundtrack and I don't know for some reason I became attached to these characters not because of the movie as much as like whatever it represented at the time in my life I guess. So I followed it along and I had to say it was a really nice watch. it was super long. But yeah, I, I recommend it. It's a good, it's like a, an excellent summer movie, I think. Pulls at the the heartstrings in like kind of an overly obvious way. But I don't really care, you know, not for like a movie like that. And so overall, uh, I would say worth a, a watch. And it's like definitely, I would say in the dad movie category. Uh, so that's, I was hoping it wouldn't be actually but I didn't have to pay attention and I still knew it was going on, which means unfortunately it's a dad movie um, so I would give it a thumb up as a dad a dad movie. So
0: is this supposed to be a trilogy or like when do they stop?
1: It stopped Well, I God who knows, man they'll do whatever the fuck they want for some more money, especially since I think it made already half a billion domestic but it's um yeah it's it was supposed they said it was gonna end and in the end it seems like somewhat definitive. But like the main character doesn't like die, which I was kinda hoping for. Not because I don't like Chris Pratt or whatever or whoever it is, but I feel like that's like the a great definitive way to end something is like a you know, the the tragic fall at the end. It doesn't have to be the main character, but something that makes it like wow, the book is closed on this chapter, versus like, All right, we're gonna go our separate ways now. Uh, but maybe you know when the studio execs get behind it we'll be back (laughs) so
0: i i totally agree somebody important really important has to die in the end would you say this was better than the first
1: the first movie yeah no i mean they're very different like the the by the time you get to the third one it's got the whole marvel ensemble the budget is god knows how much bigger so it's a it's a bigger movie all right what else you got for us
0: yeah, so I mean, we pretty much covered Burning, but I yeah, just wanted to call out that while I had seen it on Apple before, the really special art house theater down the street, Metrograph, obviously was playing this on the big screen for... God, I'm so jealous. Like a two-week period or something. So I saw it. And, and wow, yeah, it, it definitely hits a little different on the big screen and just as good some really opened up actually some new questions about the source material and like the Murakami short story and some new theories about what it could mean that I hadn't considered before so I love how it's still unresolved and you can still continue to speculate and then seeing it with a big audience was really interesting because Mm. they found it much funnier than I did really yeah it was it was interesting
1: I feel like I'm just gonna have to start well um, I have the Metrographs website open again and I just
0: the lineup it's like Dude, their lineup is absolutely on fire it's this summer.
1: Blade Runner the final cut right now, The Matrix, Three Days at the Condor, which Robert Redford classic, Burning, Live and Let Die, <laughs> Roger like Roger Moore, James Bond, Drive, Millennium Mamba, oh you saw that. Call Me By Your Name. I mean, these are some of my favorite movies, like, ever, and yeah. Inherent Vice. Like, they just happen to be playing on some random week. Like, what? <laughs> Ocean's Eleven? The, the, the thing is that they get so do so right here, it seems like, and I know you know this, but for anyone listening who hasn't looked up this theater and wished it was in their neighborhood like I do, is that they have, like, it's such an excellent sprinkling of genres, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times, like the art house movie theater near us is like only art house, and then like one or two things that are playing in like major theaters, not like randomly. Oceans Eleven, not three forty five on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Like, there's some art house theaters in New York that will only play French old noir films, and it's right. like, okay, that's fine if you want to like go masturbate to french philosophy or something but what metrograph does really well is there's these sprinklings of random things but it's cross genre but they're all thematically driven they find a way to like bring all these disparate movies together it's amazing
1: it's it's incredible someone must just have a great time running this like they're like director to scheduling department all right enough of uh enough of that okay so what else do you got
0: Okay, the next one is Paris, Texas. Have you seen this?
1: No, I looked it up, but I have not heard of it. Give us the MDIB.
0: So this is, I think, I think widely considered like an absolute classic film from the 80s. It seems like it's kind of a core part of American nostalgia. I feel like there are a lot of random cocktail menus where I've seen cocktails named Paris, Texas, or like random stores in different cities, especially in New York. So I do feel like there's a lot of cultural importance here, which is what like pushed me to watch this thing. It's two and a half hours, so breaking my own rule, but fine. <laughs> so imdib: Travis Henderson, an aimless drifter who has been missing for four years, wanders out of the desert and must reconnect with society, himself, his life and his family. Harry Dean Stanton. He's the main main lead here so okay this is currently okay. streaming on hbo and i have some thoughts okay. first of all the first half is much lower than the second half but this first half is definitely very necessary to set up the second half it took me a few sittings actually to try to struggle through like the first hour of this i wasn't really sure where i was going i didn't have a lot of context uh, but i'm glad i stuck through it and watched the entire thing I thought this movie was a masterpiece. Really? Yeah, I've I it's been a very long time since I've seen a movie that was this well made.
1: Really? Wow! It's okay. I'm
0: still grappling with how, and like what the why of it, like what made it so good. I think it was kind of everything, to be honest. The acting, the score, the emotions they evoke through the scenery and then there's just one really important moment towards the end of this movie arguably one of the strangest most impactful scenes i've seen in a movie maybe ever really and it works it absolutely works but yeah it's ultimately a story about a guy who's dealing with loss and sacrifice for the most important things in his life.
1: Wow. I'm trying to like catch up on this as you're talking. So I, I recognize the, a couple of the shots. So I, th- I must've watched the trailer before, but I definitely haven't seen it. What do you think makes it so in particularly powerful? So you said it's a slow first half, but it's just really great setup and then they can drive it home.
0: Yeah. And I think the way the story unfolds and the way that you follow this character through this emotional journey with trying to reconnect with his family and learning the why of like what happened slowly over time it really gets to you and not only that they don't just tie a bow on it at the end they leave you with the really hard choices that people make to try to do the right thing that I think is ultimately like a very genuine take on tough family situations and so yeah I thought a lot of those themes were really interesting. But there, there was something about the filmmaking itself, like the combination of the cinematography and the score, just the whole like vibe of this movie. There was something just really unique about it. I've, I've never really seen a movie like this, to be honest.
1: What did you remind me What you watched it on?
0: This was on HBO.
1: Okay. I'm going to have to pick it up. Eventually, I'm going to have to keep watching some of your your recommendations. That's great. I love it. Don't tell me too much more because I now need to go check this out. As suspected, Roger Ebert gave it a, a hard four stars, of course. And it was the real Roger Ebert, wow, who was of course alive at the time in 2002 well he wrote he wrote the review, I guess in 2002. It begins with the man comes walking out of the desert like a biblical figure, a penitent who has renounced the world. Only Roger Ebert could start his review like that.
0: That is an all-star review.
1: God, you have such better fucking recommendations than me. It should turn into a show <laughs> where, like, I'm just the host, and I just ask you about the interesting things you've done with your life. <laughs> <laughs> I can be the eyes through which the audience, the ears through which the audience experiences the life. The the cinematographer... Cine, the life of cinema of ky <laughs>
0: <laughs> or it's like homework every other week like you you have to go watch them and you're just forced to and then that's we good. we pry you open <laughs> every episode <That's>
1: like <laughs> until we can go back and forth you have to actually it's a good idea you should give me one required homework watching every <laughs> yeah. app is would you say this one is paris texas definitely okay I'll try and do my homework for the last one and actually finish burning. Okay, my shit recommendation is, so So I actually don't think it's
0: shit. I still absolutely love The Witcher series.
1: And let me think
0: about why. I mean, the MDib rating is actually really high. 8.1 out of 10, which I think their TV ratings are actually really spot on, like 99% of the time. So anything above 8... Is is a really strong show. I I think it's. What do I like? It, well,
1: I have a lot of thoughts on why I like it so much, but I'm not. I haven't done a great job trying to summarize them yet. The second half of the season comes out later this month. Netflix is doing this new like middle of the road thing where they don't release the whole season at once, but they also don't release one episode a week. They do of course, half yeah. and half over a month. And I'll collect my thoughts better for the second half. In general, what I think it is, it's like almost like a slightly more friendly and even, dare I say, character-driven version of these other sword and sorcery shows. Um, Like the characters are more relatable and also they're more like buddy-buddy with each other you like that they're friends with each other by the end of it in a way that you don't get with other shows. Like, they don't try and sow unnecessary conflict between the main characters. I mean, there's a lot of people who, there's a lot of fighting and disagreement and all that between, like, the bad guys and the good guys. And they do a good job occasionally making people make bad mistakes and stuff. But it's just, like, a nice difference from, like, Game of Thrones. Whereas Game of Thrones, their whole thing is, like, everyone's evil deep down inside or has the capacity to like do horrible things and there's like a little element of that with the witcher but it's just like more of a fun what's a better way of putting it? so you know like lord of the rings and game of thrones and these other high you know high fantasy shows the main characters are the ones who are driving the i must save the end of the world sort of thing whereas in the witcher it's kind of like Yes, there's like some really there's like some kings and heroes and stuff off somewhere doing some like crazy save the world stuff, but these are kind of people at the edge of society, like kind of trying to get by within context of all this. And it's really creative, and I just really enjoy it. I also just love the idea of a uh, 19 late 1980s early 1990s Polish fantasy fiction randomly gaining notoriety in america on netflix in 2023 <laughs> so, which is like the context for it uh it's just it's just like lovely so yeah i'd recommend it i'm a, I'm a pretty big fan and it's actually I, i'm happy to say it's actually very much not a dad show there is action and like really attractive people in it i think i would probably make love to all of the main characters and um we should take that out. I shouldn't say stuff. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I would make sweet. It. Well, sorry. A better way of putting that is, so Henry Cavill, Cavill, Cavill? Yeah,
0: Henry Cavill or something.
1: Cavill, the guy who played I mean, like Superman, good-looking guy. Yeah, like, yeah, he's like, like I find myself like three episodes in being like, I should really Google like his workout regimen. Like, what, what am I <laughs> doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be like, like, and then like a few episodes later, I'm like, who is this like Anya Shalotra like person who's like one of the co-stars? I'm like, where is she like fucking from? I mean, like, she's like one of the most like interestingly attractive people I've ever seen. And why is she not in more television shows? Okay. Anyway, you're going to have to delete that whole segment. I haven't, my point is there's something about it that makes it interesting.
0: It's funny. Cause like this show seems like it should be somewhere up my alley I love sci-fi, I love Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. It's just like there's something that's not appealing about it to me. I just like couldn't get into it. I mean, I only watched the first like maybe 60 seconds to be honest of the first ep, but like years ago. But when you said it's really creative, that I can appreciate. Like what about it was so creative?
1: Well, let me say really quickly, sorry, I I, le- I didn't complete my fu- f- my previous thought and then let me say one thing about the first 60 seconds and then I'll answer your question. My first thought was that it's actually very much not a dad show or a dad movie because it is has enough complex dialogue. And like there's like a bunch of going on that if you don't pay attention for like 60 seconds in this show, you can be like totally lost as to what's going on, which is a good. I think I mean, I'm happy about that with this because it means that I'm like way more bought into the characters. And then on the first 60 seconds, I think I said this in a previous review of the second season of The Witcher. The first season is like not that good or, or or sorry, it gets really good in the second half. I, I stopped watching it for like a year until someone was like, yo, why haven't you watched The Witcher? And then I got sick one weekend, like in <clears throat> 2020 or something, and watched the whole first season. And I was like, holy crap, like they really came back from that. It's like the writers got really confused in the first season and thought it was cool to do too much time jumping in chronological order which makes it kind of annoying to follow and then they like clearly got that feedback and never do it again (laughs) um so i would just say try and get try and get through it it's kind of janky in the first three episodes what makes it creative again i liked it it's kind of a genre crosser where it's a bit of a it's more of like it's more episodic i guess than some of these other tv shows that are similar to it which means that they can tell slightly more um, varied stories in my opinion. And so like they have an interesting way of do it, talking about like magic and they have an interesting way of talking about like race and what does race mean when you like abstract it away from like white and black America or, or, or whatever color of skin. And you talk about it in like a fantasy context and they just are able to do some like things that I think are kind of interesting, but also just like really fun and not take it too, like too, too seriously either. Anyway, I've already talked too much about The Witcher, but I, I I pretty highly recommend it.
0: Okay, nice. I may check this out, may revisit.
1: Probably not, though.
0: It's we'll no see. Paris, we'll Texas. I'm on the fence. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, nothing is Paris, Texas. Okay, last one, His House. This came out 2020. It's a Netflix movie. Yep. Perfect runtime, hour and a half. And I'll read the MDIB, and i will give a little context. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. So it's meant to be a traditional horror movie. I watched the trailer before, I heard really good things, and it felt like there was this element of not just traditional Scare you, type of horror, but also like this psychological drama or thriller aspect to it that I thought I would really like. You know, I, for example, like I think I've mentioned this to you before, A24's It Comes at Night yep. is one of my favorite horror movies. I don't even consider it horror, to be honest. I think it's a psychological drama, the slower burn that uses horror elements to tell a story in a particular way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? His house seems that way to me based on the trailer. It wasn't. It wasn't. Really? It was and it wasn't. It was in like the sense of this is highbrow horror, in my opinion, and like a really well made movie and like the deeper themes, I think, were really interesting. But this was also just straight up horror. (laughs) This was fucking scary you know i was not expecting that at all i was like i'm gonna watch this because it's not gonna be that scary and like they're just gonna (laughs) use some horror elements no 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 this is full-blown horror
1: wow just like really fucking scary and
0: and like uh, okay in the grand scheme of things i've seen way scarier movies this like you could probably watch this alone in your basement and be fine especially you watch the smile right you you're still surviving Like, I I would not be here right now if I saw the smile, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, K.Y. would be dead. He wouldn't have made it? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have made it. You'd be like the girl they
1: find in the closet of the ring? (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just like... Yeah, I I can't even talk about that movie uh, at nighttime, you know? But, yeah, so my main takeaway here was there is this nuanced underlayer to this movie That's like a really interesting commentary on trauma, being an immigrant, and like the stuff that you go through that never you can never really leave behind. And so I really liked that aspect of it. This is a big thumbs up. Like I I actually really, really really like this movie. I don't watch that much horror, as you know, but this is like one of my top horror movies.
1: That's great where would you place it in scariness versus other horror movies you've seen, which I know are few and far between, but I want to contextualize what I'm getting into here because you brought this movie up and I was like, I actually added it to my list on whatever service I said, Netflix, a year ago. And I was like, read I've read a lot about it and I read about um, some critical reviews about how there's some components of like, I actually don't want to say it because I think it might give away part of the movie, but what, yeah, place it for me in the relative horror scariness
0: scale. See, that's the tough part for me because like, I how many horror movies have I seen, right? It's like, I've only seen the extremes. I've seen It Comes at Night and Mad God, which I'd put on like the non-scary scale uh, spectrum. And then on the other end, there's like The Ring. And that, I'm still recovering from that, right? So, (laughs) this is somewhere in between, but that's a wide spectrum, right? So you're,
1: I could watch it alone and probably be okay but i would be like pretty scared i would probably have to cover my eyes a few times
0: maybe a handful of times yeah
1: i mean i get don't don't yeah well maybe i can convince jess to watch it with me she she likes horror movies
0: this movie made me realize this whole horror thing i have where it's like i operate on just the fringes of the horror ecosystem and i'm like a keen observer of the horror zeitgeist, but this one was dipping my toe a little bit inside of that circle.
1: Yeah. I love your relationship with horror. It's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite
0: components of the KY <laughs> uh
1: KY movie apparatus.
0: Cinematic universe. Cinematic yeah, the KY cinematic
1: <laughs> universe. Oh, Alright man.